Today's episode is sponsored by Paper and Spark. Paper and Spark is the go-to financial resource center for makers and artists. Download their popular bookkeeping templates that import your sales from Etsy, Amazon, Shopify, and other e-commerce platforms, all designed for makers by CPA and handmade seller. Thank you so much, Paper and Spark. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 199 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building a values-based business with my guests, Meg and Patrick McElwee. Meg started sewing after finishing an undergraduate degree in philosophy and a graduate degree in education. While living and teaching in rural Mexico for three years, she studied pattern drafting and made her own clothes, first out of necessity and then because of the sense of empowerment and joy it brought to her life. The meditative act of stitching continues to bring her a deep sense of well-being. Her passion for slow fashion has expanded over the years to include Sew Liberated's pattern line, two books, a sewing course with Craftsy, and her own online course, The Mindful Wardrobe Project. She enjoys supporting the slow stitching community through her blog and her popular Instagram account, as well as live classes from time to time. Meg, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Abby. And Patrick has been Meg's best friend and partner since they met in French class at age 19. A historian, computer programmer, and break dancer, Patrick manages the technical and business side of So Liberated and is often the one behind the camera. Meg and Patrick have three kids, three cats, a dog, and the incredible luck to be able to work creatively together every day. um, Patrick, let's welcome you. Uh, thank you so much. I, I've learned so much from this podcast, so I'm, I'm really thrilled to be on here. Oh, good. That's great to hear. And Meg, I discovered something that I didn't know about you when I was doing my research for this episode, which is that, like me, you also did Teach for America. I did, yes. I was teaching fifth grade in the Bronx. So I don't know about you, but those were some of the I would describe them as most challenging years of my life. I don't know how you felt about that same, time. Same here. Yes, same here. Actually, that that kind of uh, spun me off in the direction of uh, Montessori education. And I eventually pursued that, that route. Uh, but it was a very, um, just a very eye-opening and engaging experience for sure. Yeah. And intense. It's very intense. um, Where were you? Where were you, Abby? Uh, I was in the Mississippi Delta. Okay. So completely opposite of the Bronx, but, um, but still a very eye opening and very intense two years. Um, And so it sounds like after that, um, and you two met, as we said in the intro, when you were um, 19. So or is that is that right? You you both met at 19? That's right. That's right. Okay, so where was this French class in high school? <laughs> <laughs> we were we were we were in college, Abby. Uh, we, yeah, we we were we were both in an, in an intensive uh, French class. So I met five days a week, uh, and we both were planning to go and do some backpacking around France and around Europe. And so we ended up uh, doing that the very next year and doing it together. Okay. Got it. All right. So, um, so you've been together for a long time, and um, and and so after New York, you spent some time in D.C. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was kind of following Patrick's uh, Patrick's career path. There, um, he was working uh, in, on immigration issues uh, on the Hill, and had a very busy life there. Um, this is kind of a, a, a pattern that we've gone through several times, right, where we do something that uh, I'm interested in, and then we kind of swing back and follow your passion, and we swing back and follow my passion. We ch- just kind of like 
go back and forth, toggle back and forth in these sort of supportive roles. Yeah, because because after you, you mentioned Teach for America, and so Meg was doing that in New York, and I kept commuting back and forth. So every almost every weekend I was getting on the Chinatown bus and, and visiting Meg. And, oh, wow. Because um, she was really, uh, you know, it was very difficult. She was struggling with that. And so when she finished Teach for America, um, she moved to where I was in D.C., yeah, and I was doing all kinds of like political advocacy stuff around economic issues, social security, and and immigration. But then Meg was doing her graduate training in Montessori, and she really had a very strong idea of moving that she wanted to move to Mexico. Um, and we she found a little one room Montessori school in Mexico, uh, and we totally left everything we were doing in D.C. Uh, and went down there. Uh, up we just figured, when are we going to have the opportunity to do this again? That is yeah. so, yeah, Cause, smart Because we got time. married. We, you know, we were like 23 when we got married. Okay. So, and we weren't going to have any kids for a little while. So we, we thought, well, you know what? It's time It's time to do yeah. something like and, this and now. And my, my grandfather's family is from Mexico. And were, I, I did not grow up speaking Spanish. Um, but uh, Spanish was my mother's first language. But uh, she had, she forgot, forgot it in her young years. Um, and so I had this really sort of strong desire to reconnect with with that uh, part of my family and that heritage of mine. And so, yeah, we just we just put it together with my graduate degree in Montessori and found a little one room schoolhouse. And how did we you there for how years. did you find it? Like, I, I'm just trying to think like back. This is like early 2000s or something like that. Like, how did you like Five. We were not very sophisticated. Okay. About it, I will no, say. But, the, but the internet was, it was, was there. A, nascent, a nascent thing. And uh, the International Montessori Association had a job, uh, a web page where they listed jobs all around the world. And this is where I found it. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in Mexico for three years. And um, tell us a little bit about kind of your lifestyle there and, and what life was like for the two of you um, during that period. I mean, I think that Mexico, and we, we, we still think of Mexico as really our anchoring, like what anchored us as adults and kind of uh, established our, our, um, our ideals, right, as, as adults. And we had a very sort of, I guess, relaxed life there um, because I was teaching from nine to one. I'd probably come home at about two um, and it was a small, small town. So we had a lot of free time. We had a lot of f- friends. The pace of life was just gloriously slow. And we just had a lot of great conversations uh, going yeah, ahead. You know, and, and it was very cold. I think people probably have think of Mexico. And <laughs> most people, true. at least in the United States, who've gone to Mexico have gone, understandably, somewhere, you know, where the weather is very pleasant, where there's a beach and so on. But we were up in the mountains. Um we, in a place that's also very beautiful, Copper Canyon, but uh, it was it was so cold all the time, and we, we really struggled even just to keep our house warm. Uh, but that I think something about the difficulty of that environment created a real sense of community. So you'd come together in people's houses, and it was sort of like this warm um, this warm place. People would come over uh, with unannounced, without calling ahead of time, and expect to sit down and have coffee for a few hours, and, and that was pretty wonderful. Like that mm-hmm. kind of easy community. Yeah. And so it was there, Meg, that you started your first blog. Right. Yeah. I, it was called uh, Beans and Rice, actually, the first, the very first one. Um, and that was really just intended to keep our family back in the United States kind of abreast of what was going on in our, our lives. And then um, it kind of morphed into what was called Montessori by hand, because what I found very early on in my Montessori training was that what one of the things I loved the most about it was the idea that you are creating a a beautiful, supportive environment for these young children um, that sort of mimicked what they might find in a warm and welcoming home. Uh, So lots of natural materials, lots of homemade materials. I, I made so many... Uh, classroom materials uh, while I was in Mexico and also in my training. Um, and it was it was then that I started picking back up with sewing again, because I I'd learned how to sew as a kid from my mother taught me. Uh, and it just kind of opened 
opened my eyes to the creative possibilities of of d- classroom design materials, educational material design. And I started taking pictures and blogging about that process, offering uh, offering little templates uh, uh, so other people could make what I had designed. And eventually I just started figuring out how to design my own clothes as well. Uh, I had plenty of time. I, <laughs> I, I was thinking one of the first things that we did when you were bu- trying to build a, a little audience for that blog was you we printed off some business cards and you went to a, a, Mon- a Montessori craft uh fair or a crap trade trade fair of some kind yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so you had lots of time to to blog and create these diys and create materials for your classroom and for your students to use while they were with you um and then and then maybe sort of less shopping options or did you just want to make shopping no shopping shopping options options. (laughs) okay all right, and so if you're in a new place so we, for three so, so years, let just, yeah. Let me just paint the picture okay. of this this little town of ours. So you would fly in, uh, or say if you're driving from El Paso, Texas, it would be about a 10-hour drive. Uh, you would fly in to the city of Chihuahua, and the city is not a very big city, but it's this little kind of Wild West feeling, feeling city, and you know a lot of a lot of cowboy boots and cowboy hats and. And and then you would drive along these mountain roads and it's really alpine desert. And the little town we were living in, oh, at the time, what was the population? It's about 2000. Yeah. So so very small Um, and really sort of the the gateway to the indigenous Tarahumara communities that were peppered all throughout the Sierra. I, I always was was greatly impacted by by going hiking or, uh, you know, backpacking out there because. You know, here when you go, ever the trails are very clearly marked. There are clear signs as to you know where you can go, where you can't go, where you can camp, where you can't camp. Um, it's the sense of sort of protected land with no people on it, um, and that's not the case there. There, you can be sure they use are they used to say you know someone's always watching you because <laughs> uh, you because everyone lives in still in these in these hills in the in the wilderness there, um, in the Sierra Madres. And, and, um, so the town itself was tiny. It had maybe two grocery stores and the offerings there were, were pretty slim. Um, and, and yeah, we would, we would occasionally drive back into the big, big city of Chihuahua to, you know, we're, we're vegetarians. So we would, we would stock up on like tofu and stuff like that. But (laughs) But really, we subs- wine. We <laughs> we ate beans and rice all the time. <laughs> so uh, it was it was uh, it was a very small small town, and that and that's why I I started sewing my own clothes. Right. Okay. And so, um, did the process of sewing your clothes make it onto the blog? Like, was there a connection there? I mean, how quickly did that did that take place? I think there was, if I recall, uh, I, I, I feel like I entered some sort of contest that Simplicity had going on. Okay. Some, I don't know. And I, I, I got something anyway. I, I, it's been such a long time now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I had a few, uh, big four patterns, but I, I just pretty, pretty quickly started, started figuring out how to do it myself. Okay. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but just, it just kind of went from there. I've, I've always been self-taught and always just enjoyed the process of getting into a creative flow. Um, you know, that, that place, uh, where uh, I, I really learned about this as a Montessori teacher, where we're trying to, with, a, with, with the students, we're really trying to match the child with the the type of project that's going to be just hard enough, but not too hard and not too easy. You want to have that place where just, you know, they, they feel like they can do it and they have to really engage to kind of to 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 get there. Right. Um, and, and I feel that same sort of uh, that that range of interest. Right. Where where I. There, there are things that I enjoy doing that are easy for me. I'll, I'll say, you know, knitting something simple 
or embroidery or um, even mending things that are things that are a little more what I what I call meditative in in the hand, their handwork. Um, and then there are those things like uh, making a pattern or or figuring out now for for us you know figuring out how to design a, a a course syllabus you know how to take take our our customers on on a journey that will that will provide them with with this sense of of accomplishment um, and success yeah so there there are these challenges that are more in that flow range where just where I just kind of delve deep um, and. And yeah, I, w- I was fortunate enough to ta- have a lot of time in that state when I was in Mexico. And that was kind of the beginning of So Liberated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, as you're a mother, Abby, uh, that that kind of concentrated <laughs> creative flow is a little more, a little harder to oh, yeah. access when your <laughs> children are a certain age. <laughs> so uh, so there there have been real ebbs and flows in in my creative engagement with so liberated, but it's been a very, um, very forgiving, uh, project to work on all these years. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about all of those things. Um, because, um, it, it, there have been ebbs and flows, which are really interesting. And, um, and I like that idea of it being forgiving. And I, I think that that, that rings true for me as well. So, um, okay. So after these three years were, were up over, um, where did you go next? What happened after that? Well, so one thing I, I, you know, one thing I wanted to mention about those three years is that was that the patterns also came out of some necessity because we had a small amount of savings in the bank when we went down there and we, Meg was earning a, a salary and I was earning, I ended up earning a small salary when I was down there working with this, uh, clinic, um, but we were just earning enough to sort of get by month to month. And so every now and then Meg would go and get some fancier fabric <laughs> that she would have, you know, maybe she would get it when she was on a trip back to visit her parents in the States or something. And that small amount of money we had in the bank would get even smaller. <laughs> and so I started to say, well, maybe there's a way that you could package up some of these pat- these things that you're making into a pattern. And so the, we, the first pattern we released was a PDF pattern. I believe it was the reading pillow. Is that the first pattern? Was it that or was it the little apron for the Montessori kids? Oh, it may have been that. Yeah. Um, but we, we the fir- very first pattern we released was just a, just a little PDF pattern. And, and it was well received by your blog audience. And, and that was really what kicks, right. what got things started. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that the first thing you released was a digital file. Um <sighs> <laughs> it's so interesting because later we pretty soon, as soon as we could, we stopped selling digital files and we started selling only paper patterns because we thought that was the right way to do it. We thought the PDF was uh, just a little bit of a of a band aid to get us because we couldn't do paper. Mm-hmm. Also, we 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 were in Mexico. We weren't in the United States. We couldn't take physical <laughs> patterns. Well, we started the selling them. Your dad used to go yep. down to the post office and put stamps on the envelopes. Uh, on the envelopes as he was shipping them out to all your customers. Mm, okay. So he really, he, he helped make it happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, all right. So the pattern business, um, the sort of genesis of it really was in Mexico, as was the blog audience building. So um, I think it's really interesting to think about how that time period kind of grounded everything that came next. Um, uh, so, so did you move back to the U.S.? Did you move to North Carolina where you are now? Uh, yeah, so so here's where it, we we actually it's one of these transition points where I I applied for grad school. I I got into Duke in a PhD program in history, uh, and that's what drove our move here okay. in North Carolina. Um, and as I was doing that, we actually Meg put in her first book proposal with Interweave. Um, they ended up publishing her first book, which was entitled "So Liberated," and it was actually in the process of writing that book proposal that we brainstormed the name so liberated mm-hmm. and we and we liked it enough that we ended up changing from Montessori by hand okay to so liberated okay yeah what did you like about that name i mean it seems to sort of perfectly encapsulate the brand but it's hard to have known that back then <laughs> <laughs> well we kind of chuckle right now because uh, uh, about every third um, sewing business has sew it does. and the play on so in the in the name and it's just it's just very cute in my family know. yeah in my family we're always like we should start a blog called so annoying <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in our defense we didn't realize it at the time 
and I'm sure that nobody else nobody else either. realizes that either. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll let Patrick speak to get to this because uh, because the liberated part of it is is actually actually speaks to more of our our more radical political. Well, um, you, you know, I, I always had a I always had a vision that we might make some kind of a shirt or something or some kind of a graphic that would have the chains of all the logos of sort of the big box stores, you know, the fast fashion stores, and somebody breaking free. Oh, okay. Um, that was one of the images that I think was in our heads when we first came up with the with the word liberated. You know, right. Just the idea that you that you feel liberated in the act of making in the right. act of making itself is so it's so connected to human liberation. I want to take a minute now to talk about our sponsor, Paper and Spark. Paper and Spark bookkeeping templates are more than just a spreadsheet. You're really getting a set of resources and support to help you understand your business finances with confidence and clarity. Every Paper and Spark spreadsheet comes with step-by-step videos and written instructions so you can not just see how to use the spreadsheet, but also you can really understand what the numbers mean. Every purchase is a one-time fee, so no subscriptions here. And that includes lifetime access to any updates to the spreadsheet, access to the private Paper and Spark support group, which is called the Accounting Accountability Club. I love that. Live monthly office hours and bookkeeping checklists delivered straight to your inbox on the first of each month. All Paper and Spark products are designed by a CPA who is also a handmade seller experienced in e-commerce. So Janet, who is the founder of Paper and Spark, she totally gets it. Her spreadsheets allow you to quickly import your sales, transactions, and fees with one easy copy and paste each month from Etsy, from eBay, Amazon, Shopify, Square, Squarespace, and PayPal. You can keep track of whether your shop is making a profit each month. You can log your business expenses so you're ready for tax time. You can nail your cost of goods and set profitable price points for every single product you make and figure out your inventory numbers for year end, all with paper and spark. That is so powerful. And great news, we have a coupon code to share just with listeners of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast, and that code is CIAPOD10, that's the number 1010, and if you use that code, you will save 10% off of your entire purchase from Paper and Spark. That is a super good deal. So that code again is CIAPOD10, and you can use it for 10% off your entire purchase. So go check out Paper and Spark and get a handle on your bookkeeping and your finances once and for all. Thank you so much, Paper and Spark. And now back to my conversation with Meg and Patrick. So you changed the name of the blog and Meg got the book deal. Um, and so, and, and really the books, both of them, So Liberated and Growing Up So Liberated, which I have here on my bookshelf, um, are really kids focused. They're about really almost like raising kids in this Montessori sort of, you know, uh, approach, I think, yeah, in, in a way. Yeah, second, especially the second book. And I love how, how, you know, both of them sort of uh, they're almost a bridge to what I'm, what I'm doing now, which is, which is less Montessori. Actually, our, our children are in Montessori school. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it was this sort of, uh, this transition period for us. And it was, it was a great one. It seemed to flow pretty well. I mean, I, my early blog, blog readership was also, uh, I kind of chuckled to myself because I was reading mom blogs way before I was a mom. <laughs> just because I had this interest in educational philosophy and um, Amanda soul was blogging. Yes. And, and I, she was a big influence on me. Because, me too. I reading her blog changed how I parented completely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And she sort of introduced me. She sort of helped uh, widen, I guess my pre parenting perspective of, of what parenting could look like as well, because I had been sort of Montessori focused and she sort of, opened my eyes to what would what would homeschooling look like? What would unschooling look like? What would what does Waldorf look like? You know, all the all these different things. And and I we ended up exploring all of those things with our children over the years. But um, but yeah, she was 
she was instrumental in, in helping us sort of find this book deal because uh, she passed along my info to her agent. Oh. And it was her agent who really um, helped kind of set this in motion. That's so great. I love that that early blog community was just such a nice web of people. Really, really was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of prior to social media, it was like before. Um, yeah, okay. So you wrote these two books and... Um, and and then you had children of your own and actually became a parent. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I would say in these years, you know, So Liberated was something that Meg was working on in, in between all those intensive uh, parenting tasks that we had. And, and we, we kind of had a 50-50 working relationship because I was in grad school. I had some flexibility. Um, and so, you know, I would say maybe, maybe Meg was spending about 50% time on So Liberated, but it was kind of a it was kind of ticking along in the background. It, we weren't trying to 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 push it or grow. It just it was just kind of there for for mm-hmm. for a lot of years, really. Mm-hmm. Or, or those four years, really. The four years I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so you have two sons, um, and um, oh, you actually have three children. Are they all boys? No, we we have two sons and a daughter. And a daughter. Okay. All right. Great. And um, and then your your middle son had some serious health, um, health issues early on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that's right. So, uh, at about 20 weeks into the pregnancy with our second son, he was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is basically means that, um, almost half of the heart didn't grow when he was, when he was a fetus. That's the, the left ventricle. Um, and, and, and so he went through a series of heart surgeries, one when he was two days old, one at six months, and one at three years. And it was very difficult during that period of time, but he has thrived. It's really amazing what the, what the cardiologists and the, and the surgeons at, at Duke were able to do. Yeah. Uh, and but- so he's 10 years old now and, and, and doing fantastic. Most people have no idea. He was playing tennis yesterday, yes, has regular tennis games he plays. Um, but he's, we still live in a bit of a, it's just, it's just a question mark, um, as far as, you know, when is he going to need his next intervention? He doesn't have a regular circulatory system. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome what he has, but he certainly is, has been dependent on, on, uh, surgical technology and, and I, and he will be again at some point. Uh, we don't exactly know when, but um, but we're just really, really, really grateful to have him be so healthy. We we did not anticipate that we'd have him have so many you know great years, um, and and so that is also sort of a foundational. Uh, just it, it's it's why we run our business the way we do because we really want to have the time right now, uh, with, with him, with our, with our children. Um, and, and fortunately, I mean, we, we haven't, so I guess, I I guess you can understand through, through these (laughs) chats that, that we don't, we don't like have a, a really big drive to grow so liberated. We just kind of want it to sort of sustain our way of living <laughs> and kind of allow us certain freedoms, time freedoms to uh, to be with our family. And there was a period there in around 2015 when things were really, I don't know, I don't know if the word bleak is, is right to say, <laughs> but like so liberated. I, I actually remember, and I, and I can't put my finger exactly on where I was, but I feel like I met you had an employee who is like managing so liberated and I feel like I met her somewhere um, and I was like oh is this business changing hands like what's happening here yeah so that that was Danica and Danica really got us through those years because Mm -hmm. Danica came on board probably a little bit before we got the diagnosis with Lachlan and she was a recent graduate um, from school here in Raleigh where she she'd studied fashion um and really, I'd say is when we got the diagnosis, at that point, we were trying to make So Liberated be the thing that was going to liberate me from grad school because it was increasingly apparent that the 
job market for history PhDs wasn't <laughs> wasn't all that great. Right. It, was, it wasn't conducive to state because we knew we needed to stay close to Duke. Right. right, right. So we weren't ready to embrace the kind of mobility it would, it would have required to try to get a tenure track job. Somewhere. Sure, sure. Um, and so uh, we were trying to get out. So we were trying to make so liberated the thing. And, you know, business uh, can be tricky in the sense that if there, if you're not hitting the right market, you can be pouring your sweat and tears into it, but maybe not increasing uh, how much money the business is actually bringing in. And that, that was kind of the situation for us in those years. Um, so what ended up happening is that I took a skill that I had learned as part of So Liberated, which was working on our website, um, and I turned it into a new career in computer programming. Um, and so after after... So Liberated was sort of running out of steam, I would say, at that point. So I ended up getting a full-time job for about eight years, right. eight, eight or nine I, years. I, I didn't have any any extra <laughs> at all. I um, imagine. I, yeah. I, I, I'm surprised that, that I was able to get food on the table for my <laughs> for my two boys at the time. Um, you know, just a just lunch was a victory, you know. Yeah. Um and and so yeah, it it was it was a really hard time because I I think both of us to a certain extent like we were running on fumes both in between the second and the third surgery and after the third surgery. You know, you have this like rush of adrenaline. And our son had a really hard recovery after mm. his after his third surgery. And, you know, Patrick was sleeping in the hospital with him. They mm. didn't have a bed for parents. He was like, sleeping oh, on that twin bed. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it was just, uh, the, so liberal, I just wasn't thinking about it at all. Yeah. They're just, <laughs> and that was really the case for a good, I don't know, two or three three years. Even. Right. And so we actually thought that the, it was the computer programming that was going to be sort of the way that our family was surviving it. And it's actually a good job and a good job market. We were pretty happy. And we decided that we were going to go back to those PDF patterns and, and finally digitize the patterns again. Um, and to just kind of simplify. put it on ice. We were like, well, you know, they're, yeah. they're, we have some of these designs. Let's digitize them. And Right. Because you were selling, I mean, the, the business was selling a suite of print patterns for like garments. Right. did not have any okay. PDF patterns. And you were selling them direct to consumer. That's the way that... Both. Both. Yes. We okay. Selling them wholesale I and mean, direct to consumer. Okay. You say pretty early on, we did have... We, we had relationships with, with distributors and there were stores were carrying our patterns. And yes, we were, we were also shipping them ourselves. Directly out. Okay. And so you decided, um, Patrick had gone back to work and you decided, okay, well, maybe we should take these paper patterns and make them into digital files that we can sell instead. That's right. Okay. And so, which is funny because we had talked about early on, there was a digital pattern and then you right. felt like you needed to go to print. So now you're and going it, back to digital. And people had asked us every now and then if we had digital versions and we sort of knew in the back of our heads, we ought to have that as an option, but we just had never got around to sort of actually figuring out how to do it. And so how did that change things for you once you had them um, available digitally? Well, I would say that it, uh, it became transformative, but it really only became transformative when combined with Meg's increased outpouring of creativity. And it, I think there was something about the, that time period, you know, things stabilized for our son medically. Um, we, I had the, the regular income of a, of a job and Meg found Instagram at that point. And Instagram was something that I think really connected for you. Yes, it was like, oh, I, I didn't have the bandwidth to blog. I still had three very young children. And Instagram, uh, it, it looked like a mini blog to me. <laughs> so I said, hey, I love writing. I've always really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoy photography. So I thought, well, I'll just give this a go. <laughs> so but, it, but it was more than that. It was that I started to make clothes for my children. I had not done anything for years Right, um, right. I had I had been knitting here and there, but really I just didn't have I, I, I no. didn't have anything going on creatively in my life. It was just the surviving and so and 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 I came back into this world and it had changed quite a bit, right? The it had morphed from blog world to Instagram world and it was every you know, there were new 
new people, uh, new designers, people were making in a different way. Um, because of Instagram, there was a lot of sharing of, of the items that people had made. And it, it was, it was very much, uh, it seemed to me like people just wanted to make and make and make and make and make and everything was very, very, very busy. And I wanted to get back into it, but I was like, you know, I just have to do this at my own speed. And, and, uh, for me, it's not, it's not to have a, a to make list that's, you know, 20, 30, 40 items long. It's, it's the act of making one thing and the intention that, that I put behind it and the way that it sort of transports me into this creative flow. Um, I, I don't do it to make a product, a thing. I, I, I do it for the process itself. Um, and, and that's really where I found this, this connection. And I, I started writing about it. And I mean, now they're all over Instagram. You can find, you know, sewing, sewing is self-care, you know, mindful making, that kind of thing. But uh, it really wasn't around when I started to talk, talk about it. And, and I just kind of poured my thoughts into that, this, this idea of, of uh, meditative creative work um, and and kind of I found my uh, philosophical home there um, and and uh, my creative home as well and that's that's kind of how it it started I did not really intend for it to grow because uh, like I said I was homeschooling our kids at that point and and this was this was my creative side project. So. But, but rather than just a long tail, those digital patterns, the sales actually started to grow. And Meg, you actually started to release new sewing patterns for mm -hmm. the hinterland dress and the metamorphic dress right, and all, right, all the right. rest. Okay, right. And then the print patterns still existed, but they were just for distributors and just for the shops. Yeah. So one of the logistical issues we ran into um, was that we... we we moved to a very small house in downtown and uh, we had no place to warehouse these, um, these printed patterns. So, so we were talking to my, my friend Ray um, made by Ray um, about how she, she handles, you know, the printed aspect of it. We were able to, to make a few little shifts and, and ultimately Palmer printing um, took up the, uh, the task of, of printing and assembling and ship warehousing and shipping our printed patterns to our uh, wholesale customers and our, and distributors. Right. And that was a bit, that was a big logistical weight off of our shoulders. Cause you can imagine having this, having this business. And, you know, if you have two spare hours uh, between, you know, the little kids, uh, it's kind of a downer to have to just go yeah. and ship things. Well, I, I think I watched <laughs> the entire series of The Wire, uh, if anyone remembers The Wire, if you're old enough, <laughs> packing patterns, because I would just be down, I would just pack, I would just be packing patterns right. for hours and hours, and yeah. Yeah. We got rid of that logistics where we were no longer handling it. Right, and yeah. it's great that Palmer, Palmer really offers that whole suite. So they'll print the patterns, they'll fold them, um, put them in the bags, and then warehouse them, and then when an order comes in, They'll pick it and pack it for you and send it out. Um, and you know, yeah. there's a there you're paying them for the service, but I feel like um, for a certain kind of business at a certain kind of scale, it really is worth it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is, mm -hmm. and, and especially if you're like us and and we had we had some serious space and time constraints. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say that um, when it comes to Instagram and coming back to the sewing world after this break that you had had when you had been focused on family, um, I think there are some people who would, you know, take a look around and be like, oh, gosh, everything's changed. Um, everything, as you said, is moving really fast in these little snippets. And, um, and I don't want to like get back in, like, I don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not what I'm familiar with. And so it would be like scare people away, but it sounds like you were able to take a look and then figure out a way back in on your own terms. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess that, that maybe that's a skill that Patrick and I both sort of have honed over the years. You know, we, we kind of, it get a bit of a kick of jumping into an unknown and figuring it out. 
uh, from from Mexico to you know mm-hmm. <laughs> to our, our you know our other you know little life experiences, but um, but yes, I I and I, I have a different feeling about Instagram right now, which I could go into if you want. But. Yeah, no, I'd love I'd love to hear how it's changed for you because you you know as as you said you you connected with an audience there and you have a hundred as of this morning 106,000 followers on Instagram which is incredible um but but the app has changed a lot and I think it's going to continue to change this year it sounds like and um and I think all of our relationships with it has changed too so yeah tell us a little bit about the way you were approaching it then versus now right so when I back then it was still chronological so I was following my fiber friends I call them (laughs) And I would see them uh, when they posted, and 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 I I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the use of the hashtags, both as a pattern designer and as a someone who enjoys making other people's designs as well. I just love that the hashtag allows people to see a design on all different uh, kinds of bodies. I think that that is such an asset you know, is something that's hard to provide even just on a website, um, even with diverse models, you know, just to see all sorts of variations and also people's creative variations with it, right? If they're, if they're making it in different fabrics, if they are making little pattern hacks, it's all just really, uh, it was so fun, um, to, to have that. And, and now my my relationship with Instagram is sort of shifted a bit in part because I sense that it it's not a creative space that I as a creative person uh, like I don't own my space there um not in not in a sense of uh, you know in that like yes I have my mailing list or whatever but just just that you know what if I don't want to do reels you know what if that's not my creative thing you know, I, I could, I could jump in and say, I'm going to figure this out. But, you know, I don't know. I, 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 am sort of feeling like the little, they're, they're just, you know, the way, the way certain things are working now, everything's looking both. It's, it's looking the same to me. Like if I scroll through and it's also feeling overwhelming to me at this point in my life. And, and it may be different for other people, but at this point in my life, what I feel like I need creatively is to put my phone down and pick up whatever project I'm working at on. Um, it, it can you, you can get to the point where you have this sort of inspiration saturation, and, and that's sort of what I was feeling. I, I just needed some some space to come up with my own ideas outside of of that um, deluge of you know, Instagram posts and reels and videos and whatnot. And I do think, and you may have, uh, uh, written about this, Abby, that, uh, that Instagram is any, whatever plans they have. Yeah. It's going to, I, <laughs> it seems I, like they have plans. It's going to be kind of video first. It sounds like as yes. time goes by, that's basically what they're saying. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and, and it's just, we, it's a reminder, I think that, you know, just like with MySpace back in the day or anything like we don't, these aren't sort of the commons. We don't all control these, uh, these social media. They have their own interests and they're sort of now, I think more aggressively trying to manipulate all of us into behaving the ways that help them make money. Meet their, yeah. <laughs> meet their goals. And it's not necessarily ours. And it's not to say it's all bad. Like Meg said, the discoverability is amazing with hashtags. We never had that when we were trying to do that with Flickr back in the day. For example. Right. Right. So it's not like we're trying, we're going to be abandoning Instagram or anything, but I think it's, it's for us, it's a reminder that what we want to do is just remember what our goals are and just keep working towards our goals and not, you know, not necessarily even worry about what Instagram is going to do, like, you know, inter, inter, interface with that as much as we can. But also remember that our email list is some, is a, is a list of people who want to hear from us. And actually, Abby, I took your course oh, uh, yeah. uh, on the, the, uh, email newsletter course. Yeah. And it, it just really, uh, opened my eyes as, as that. And I will both Patrick and I really enjoy your newsletter. Um, and how, how we're, we're sort of, uh, we see that as more of a way of way to connect. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm switching back to a longer format now that the kids are a little older 
And um, the biggest noisemaker in our family might just be the puppy, but um, <laughs> you know, our, our our youngest is seven, so so we're we're out of the toddler phase. Um, and uh, I I feel more drawn to um, to longer form writing um, and more thought pieces um, as opposed to just the the little snippet that you you get to write on Instagram. Um, so so kind of how we're how we're interfacing with it is is that I. I am writing, I'm writing blog posts and, and those blog posts will, will get put onto Instagram. Uh, but, uh, and you know, that, that they are the bulk of the content of our, of our newsletter as well. Um, and, and that feels, that feels right to me right now, uh, for my own creative practice. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. And I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm curious to see how it all evolves. Um, and uh, thus far, we've had really positive feedback from folks who are <laughs> feeling the same way about, you know, maybe perhaps perhaps the Instagram scrolling is not really helping the, you know, their their creative uh, path. And and uh, hopefully hopefully it will allow people to kind of tie back into why they really love making and the feeling they get from from actually um, working towards a goal and getting there. I'm I'm so glad blogging is still here and is maybe coming back and makes me happy. So um, yeah, and I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the mindful wardrobe project. So you have these patterns. And, you know, as we said, it's an ever growing library of um, both digital and paper sewing patterns, and they're, you know, maybe $15 or something like that. Um, and then you launched this course, and it's $295, clearly a much deeper dive, a longer period of time, a much more engaged experience with you, Meg. And so I wondered if you could talk about sort of why you wanted to make it and, um, and like what, what it's, how it serves your audience. So yeah, this is this, the course itself is, is a place where, you know, people who are interested, who have, who have been sewing and are, or perhaps even are just sewing interested, um, are able to come and sort of be in community. It's a smaller group of people who go through each sort of six, seven week module with us. And, and we go through a process of, of, uh, planning your wardrobe, but it's more than that. It's really figuring out what is it that lights your fire? What, when you, it's the idea of getting dressed in the morning as a creative act as well. So it's, it's not, uh, you, you come out of it at the end with a, with a closet that fits your lifestyle and, and your style and your personal needs. Um, and we work with the clothes that are already in your closet. Um, if they're ready to wear, if they're thrifted, we encourage a lot of thrifting as well. Um, and at the end of the course, you you come out of it with this, with this plan, uh, but you also, and this is my favorite part of the course, you, you get a year's worth of contact, um, personal contact with uh, Judith, who is our rock star, um, fitting wizard. And she is, she helps you. So say you are having an issue with a fit. It could be one of our patterns. It could be any pattern you're working on. Um, you upload photos or do a little video chat. Judith responds with a little, a little video or a little tutorial. And, and she helps you figure out what to do to get uh, what kind of adjustments you need to make. She teaches you how to make those adjustments. So it takes sewing kind of out of the realm of, I'm just going to pick this style because I like it. And then you make it. And what if it doesn't fit quite right? Well, then things that don't fit quite right, you are not going to love. And my thing is that clothes that you love, they last. And and if we're looking at it from an ecological you know, perspective, the really important thing is to have clothes in your closet that just light you up and that you're not pulling on, you know, you're not, you, you don't feel, uh, uncomfortable in them, right. They, they just fit you like a glove. And, and so, 
Um, so we help you through the fitting community and the Mindful Wardrobe Project to to answer your most pressing fitting um, issues and to kind of move you forward on that path of liberation, of being able to, to look at a pattern and say, you know what, I'm going to need to make a forward shoulder adjustment. I'm going to look back in my notes at what Judah showed me and I, I, I can do that, right? Or a full bust adjustment or a, a you know, a round belly adjustment, all, all these different, you, whatever your needs are, um, we can, we can help you sort of get over that. What I think is the biggest, uh, the biggest roadblock, what can be the biggest creative roadblock for people when sewing garments is how to get them to fit well. And um, I loved the video that you used to kind of launch it and share the idea behind it. And I don't know, was that professionally shot or how did you create this video? Because it's so lovely. Oh, well, thank you so much. So there's a local videographer uh, called Big Dog Little Bed who we used for, for that video. And also we have sort of a So Liberated video that you'd see if you were on our homepage. Um and they do really lovely stuff. And, and basically, I think the, one of the strengths of that video is is the, is the script. So we spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about our messages and, 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 and writing and rewriting and editing. And mm-hmm. the, one, one great thing about our relationship is that Meg and I are, have a really strong relationship and we can sort of edit each other pretty strongly, I think. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we got to a script that we, that we, we thought really encapsulated uh, what, what the course was about and and Meg just kind of read that in the camera and uh, Big Dog Little Bed came out and really added some fantastic B-roll. And and also we had some wonderful people, you know, giving their t- testimonials about it and that kind of thing. Right, right, right. And I will that you are learning a lot more about videography now, Pat, one of Patrick's little creative side projects. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it, when we when we got started back in 2006, 2007, I would say being really good at photography was a lot. And that really made you shine out on the blog. And yeah. One thing that we really, you know, realized, like, I guess, like the folks behind Instagram is that video has taken over the, the Internet. And so we want to be getting better at video ourselves. And just we're trying to get to the point where it's easy for us to hit record and come out with a product that that looks like something we we, we feel you know good putting out, putting yeah. out into the world. <clears throat> uh, and but so video, that, that that's kind of our current project. Right, right? Video so, can be a huge learning curve. And like I said, I, I don't really resonate with the with a real quick sort of reels, um, and, and that kind of feel, but, but I do resonate more with, um, you know, the storytelling that a lo- slightly longer format on, on YouTube. I do think it's a compelling way to connect. And so that's, yeah. so we're, we're, we're exploring that <laughs> as a business. And as people. yeah, that's great. And, and the course is hosted, is it hosted on one of the like Kajabi or teachable, one of the platforms? Yeah, that's right. So we uh, we ended up going with Kajabi for that. Okay. And so we use it for the course, and we also use the communities are hosted on Kajabi as well. Okay, rather than being like a Facebook group or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. right. We we didn't really want to go with a Facebook uh, group way. I mean, I think that works for a lot of people, but I mean, I know I'm personally am not on Facebook, and I I know a lot of other folks aren't as well. Though I will say for anybody out there who's considering Kajabi and wants a community, it's the community feature of Kajabi is not very fully featured. And um, right at the moment, we're feeling we're feeling a little bit disappointed with how quickly they've moved on on fleshing out their communities. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know other people have hosted. I I I know Lee Metcalf was on here and was talking about. um, Oh, uh, what is that? The Mad- oh, Mighty Mad- Networks. Mighty Networks. Yes. So there are mm-hmm. other good choices out there. We we ended up with Kajabi for whatever reason a few years ago, but we might make a different decision today. Right, right. With Yeah, totally. Um, okay. And so, Patrick, you were able to actually be liberated from your full-time job as a software developer and join the business. And what, tell, talk a little bit about the steps that you both took to make that happen, because I do think it's a dream that a lot of people have to, you know, both work for yourselves and work together. Um, but it is hard. I mean, it, if you if you look at this trajectory, this was a lot of years before it came to fruition. Right. It was a lot of years. Yeah, it was it was a lot of years. It was about two years ago, I quit my full time job um, for sort of a Silicon Valley database company, actually. Um, 
And so I'm trying to, I was trying to do the math on that in my head, but it's, I mean, I think it's, it was about at least 12 years from the time we started So Liberated to where it really finally became something that sustained our family. Um, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of luck. There's a little bit of persistence. Um, it just finally started coming together where we were making enough sales um, that the revenue coming into the business grew. We men, I mean, I, and I think mentioned- I, I grew as an artist and as a as a creative as a visual person as well in those years. I, I think that my I really sort of solidified my style, both my personal style, my writing style. I, it just it's just like I I, so I sort of grew into adulthood, right? I mean, when I started all this, I was in my early twenties, and um, as as folks should, you know, uh, it, your your twenties are a decade of of just immense personal growth and and you know being exposed to all sorts of uh, ways of ways of being creative, ways of life, and and we just um, and and I, I think that that I just sort of found a, a creative home and a creative voice. Um, in the wake of my son's medical issues. And I, and I, and I think that that was clear mm-hmm. in my, in, in my writing and in my photography and what I was creating for Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I really credit that just sort and, of. And yeah. you had been gestating that mindful wardrobe project course for mm-hmm. a few, for a couple of years at least. Yeah. Um, and we knew we were going to be ready to, to come out with that. And, and we knew to really make it happen to put in the, get us over that last mile that, I would, we would need more time to dedicate to it. And that was part of the calculation uh, mm-hmm. and me leaving. And did it help? Yeah. Did it help to have that? Um, I mean, it's much more intensive um, what your work you're doing to work with the people who sign up, but, but did it help to have, you know, there's like the, the teaspoon and then there's like the measuring cup and then there's like the bucket, you know, there's like different revenue um, sizes there. And did it help to have that larger, bucket piece in place yeah for sure i i think so i mean i it makes sense right like like you say uh if if the only thing that we're offering is is our garment patterns there's 16 dollars. you know we can get a large number of people who are interested in making those but some people want to go further uh, and so we do think it it made it made sense to have a course and i think just in general in business we've we have you know, we, we, we really appreciate our relationship with our, with our wholesale customers. And that, that's, that was one of our calculations was for us as well to stop selling the physical patterns, um, you know, to, to really support our, our wholesalers. I don't know if what that's going to look like in the future for us. We're actually in a different house now that where we could store patterns if we wanted to. I mean, you know, you just don't know. Patrick's like, no, we aren't going back. Um, but, um, you know, so we have the wholesale aspect of our business. We have the, the, you know, the relationship with the distributors, we have the, the patterns themselves and, and, you know, the, the, the courses here and there, um, that, that I teach in person and, and I, I just feel like we, you know, we, we sort of have this, um, this wide base, right. Um, and, and that's something that we've just worked, we've just developed over the, over yeah. the last 14 years. Yeah. And, and I will say, Abby, too, to your question about the, about pricing, like, you know, I'm sort of a, we're sort of aware of general business advice like that. Like you might want to have products at different price levels, but I will say we're not very good business people. And so most of our decisions are sort of driven by what we want to do and, and what, where we think we can be most helpful to people in the, in the creative making community, um, so we're we're not always good at that, but we are coming out with a new course that I, I anticipate will be somewhere in the middle between okay buying a garment pattern and the mindful wardrobe course. But it, it is going to be a pretty intensive course mm-hmm. to sort of give people the skills to do their own pattern making and do variations on sewing patterns that they might be interested in, but might want to add their own creative flair to. And can you talk a little bit before we get to your recommendations about kind of working together and what that is like for you as a couple now that you're also in business together, you know, however much people really want to do that, um, you know, the reality can be different because it's like you can talk business while you're brushing your teeth, you know, like it never ends. The, the line is is very blurred. And 
Um, how has that been for you? And have you developed some, you know, boundaries or, or, you know, it can kind of take over? <laughs> well, um, we love it. And, and I think that perhaps we're, you know, I, there's conflicting advice out there when it comes to, you know, should you get married really young or should you wait until, I mean, we've been, we've, we've been best, best friends since we were 19. Right. So, so we have a lot of, we've done a lot of things together. We backpacked around Europe. We lived in Mexico. And we, and we haven't developed habits separate from each other. We have we not had to negotiate. Right. We, right. Have, we stamped out all the bad habits early. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, so so we just uh, I, I would say that it it doesn't feel like it infiltrates our entire lives. I mean, we, we both have things that we do outside of it. Um, Pat, Patrick is really into dancing for the past two years, you know, just like little creative projects. But I, I you know, we have no problem going. We'll go out to lunch. We'll talk about Celebrated for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and we'll talk about our kids or, you know, whatever else is going on in our lives. It's just, it's just so much a part of our lives and it has been for such a long time that it doesn't feel like an encroachment. It, it flows naturally, but I will say that, you know, if I think back it, at times when the business was stressful, when we felt like we weren't going to make right. ends meet when money was running out, was running out, you know, at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or whatever it happened to be, that was more difficult. I think when there's stress and anxiety and a lot of people who are starting out in business are going to feel this way or if you're trying to make a market work, but you haven't quite found your audience or found your market, that can be very stressful. And, and there, I think, you know, I feel I, I, I feel for myself in the past uh, and I feel for people who are going through that. But I think right now we have found a, a market that's working for us that we feel comfortable in. Uh, and we're not we're, we're, we're I think we're being pretty good about not being overly ambitious. So we're not trying to grow drastically. We do have a wonderful team of people who work with us, but it's a small team. It's my little brother, um, <laughs> Meredith, who ha has come on with us full time since uh, kind of the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. and, and Judith in Canada, who works for us about half time. Um, and for right now, that's 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 enough for us. Um, and and it's, I, I think because we feel secure in having the great community to support us that we've had, um, that certainly helps. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to make sure we get to your recommendations. So tell us about something that you would recommend to a creative friend, and I'll call on you first, Meg. Okay, so this one's easy for me because I just had my hands on this project yesterday. I was uh, coming back from visiting my grandmother in California, so I had a long plane ride. And uh, I was working on a project that my mom actually gifted to me after my first child was born. So that would that was like 12 and a half years ago. <laughs> um, and it's an it was an Alabama Channon swing skirt kit. So um, so it's hand stitching. You have these stencils that are the, the stenciling is actually pre done and you layer two pieces of knit fabric, one on top of the other. And you do these these uh, running stitches around the patterns. You end up cutting out um, the center of each of these leaves. And it, and it gives this very textural, dimensional fabric that you're left with. And you hand stitch the four panels together, and it's going to be a, a little skirt. Now, it's I, we found it when we moved recently. Uh, it had been hiding in, in one of those boxes for many, many years. But I'm just really excited to get back to it again. And I, I hopped on their website to see if if they were still doing that sort of thing. And they do, they sell, they sell these, these kits where you, you get your, your fabric, um, pre, uh, pre-printed with the, with the stencil design on it. And it's just, it's just a really cool, just a very fun project that, that I found worked really well in the plane or, you know, on a, it could be on a road trip or it's very portable. It's like knitting in that way, you know, you don't have to bring your sewing machine with you. So, um, I'm having fun with that. Yeah, reverse applique with knits. It's it, I've seen them and they they're really cool. So that's a great yeah. recommendation. Um, okay. And Patrick, what about you? What would you recommend? Uh, sure. So I'm actually not really a sewer or a knitter, um, but what I have become uh, as I approach age 40 here is a is a break dancer, and that's really become a passion of mine. Uh, that I started by walking into a dance a dance class at age 37, very awkwardly. Um, but I think I'm a lot less awkward now. And, and so I guess for me, uh, one thing that I might promote 
for creativity is just mobility. And, and we all come to mobility from different places. Um, and we're not all going to be doing break dancing because we all have these bodies that have traveled with us this long and have different kinds of ability. But there's a, there's an account on Instagram and a, and a website that I really like called GMB, uh, GMB Fitness. And they just have such a, such a nice approach to this and encouraging us all to be moving no matter where we are in our lives. And, and just not to, to say... Uh, that we're ever too old to learn new skills. Yeah, that's fantastic. As a person who came to moving my own body a little bit later in life, um, I totally endorse moving around um, and not being afraid to to start if you haven't been. <laughs> so yeah, exactly right. It's it's not it's not too late if you did, if you if you missed out on your Pat, teens. Pat, it's okay. Patrick can start breakdancing at age thirty seven. Right, you can do, we can you do can it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they added break dancing to the Olympics, and now I'm just trying to get them to add a master's bracket. Oh, wow. I got, they added break dancing to the Olympics? I had no idea. That's yeah, incredible. The next, the next Olympics are in 2024, I believe. Wow. Okay, that's super cool. Well, ta- thank you for telling us about that. And Meg and Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. It was great talking to you both. Thank you so much for having having us, Abby. Thank you, Abby. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was brought to you by Paper and Spark. Paper and Spark's user-friendly spreadsheets give you everything you need to do your shop's books without the overwhelm. Get caught up and confident about your numbers with step-by-step video instructions designed with makers in mind. Paper and Spark has been supporting the handmade community since 2014. Thank you so much, Paper and Spark. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.